Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I'd like to be able to... Anyway. I'm... My mind's going blank now. What's Your lunchtime edition here at WABC. We debuted this song last week. Remember, Lou, who would have known? Who would have known it would be so appropriate to the interview, the sit-down interview that um, President Joe Biden gave uh, K-Part of MSNBC on Friday, right? Where basically he said, if I'm too old, 86 me, right? Hell no, man. We ain't waiting till he's 86, right? <laughs> hey, pump this up. Hey, listen, to this. this is the president. Do we not have the best music here at WABC that conflates right into the subject matter? How creative that song is, how reflective it is of the political standing of the president of the United States with the electorate every time you see him, every time we watch him as he leaves the stage and goes in the wrong direction. It reminds us of our uncles, many of whom had to come to our Thanksgiving Day gatherings or Christmas or uh, (laughs) Hanukkah gatherings. We had no choice. They let him out of his room, and he came down, and oh, my God, he, he was, like, lost. Clearly the first signs of dementia, clearly the first signs of Alzheimer's. But, you know, if you're a loyal Democrat, uh, you, you, want, you want to dig in. You can't let him get rid of uh, Joe Biden. And if you happen to be the rest of us, you would say, if all of a sudden he were to exit stage uh, left, who does that leave us? Giggles Harris. <laughs> I don't know. Toss up there. Let's go to the 50-yard line. Start of the game. Let's have a coin toss, Lou. First off, what am I talking about? On Friday, President of the United States had a sit-down interview in which uh, the Inquisitor, and you know, he was throwing softballs, MSNBC, is a guy named Capehart. I knew him when he was writing for the New York Daily News. And he was an okay guy then, because obviously he had to reflect more of the um, the lean of the Daily News back then, which was the moderate newspaper in New York City. Conservative was the Post, and obviously ultra-left has always been the New York Times. But Capehart asked him a question, and I want you to listen to the response of the President of the United States. I have not made that formal decision, but it's my intention. My intention to run again. And we have time to make that decision. Uh, Dr. Biden is for it. Mr. President. Oh, Dr. Biden thinks that uh, my wife thinks that uh, 
that I uh, that that we're that we're doing something very important. Now, uh, a lot of people are assuming, and this happens. You're being asked a question, and uh, especially if you have sleep apnea at night, you can't sleep. That's why it's so important, especially on the weekends from 12 midnight to 6, you listen to the other side of midnight featuring me. I don't let you go to sleep, even if you have sleep apnea. But if you have sleep apnea at night, you're not getting enough sleep. Oftentimes, you could be in the middle of a meeting. You could be in the middle of a phrase, and you fall asleep. You know who used to do that all the time? Governor Kerry. Governor Kerry would do that. And then he'd wake up four minutes later and answer your question. This... It's not Governor Kerry. His problem was booze. He was a booze head. He was a, he had Jake Leg. He had Rum Rouge. The President of the United States is not drinking. He did not fall asleep, Lou. People, when you look at him, his eyes were totally open. He was not able to process the question and answer it. He had his Fetterman moment. This is the problem that Fetterman has. He's going to debate Oz on Tuesday, and he has to have everything written out in front of him for him to process that. I don't know if that would help the president of the United States. It seems that he handles the teleprompter, except when he decides that he is going to improv. That's when he gets himself in trouble by telling tall tales, stories that never happened. But then there was another question, and it had to do with... um, Basically, the concern that we as voters have, including his own supporters of his age, the fact is that he is getting to that point where you have to say, can he handle the uh, the schedule that a president of the United States has to go through on a day to day basis? I, I think it's a legitimate thing to be concerned about anyone's age, including mine. I think that's totally legitimate. But I think the best way to make the judgment is to, uh, to you know, watch me. You know, am I slowing up? Am I yep. don't have the same pace? Yep. Or, you know, uh, and that old joke, you know, uh, um, everybody talks about the, you know, the new 70s, 50s, all that stuff. You know, I, you know, it could be, I, I'm a great respecter of fate. I could get a disease tomorrow. I could, you know, drop dead tomorrow. No. No, don't. Even though I don't like you, President Joe Biden, I don't want Giggles, Vice President Harris, to take over. And then Nancy Pelosi moves up, right? You know, the line of ascension. (laughs) Please, please. This reminds me of when Strom Thurmond, the virulent racist, the Dixiecrat, the guy who challenged uh, Harry Truman, Uh, for the uh, presidency because Harry Truman was not racist enough for Strom Thurmond when he was a Democrat from South Carolina. Then he flipped the script, became a Republican. And remember, Lou, he would uh, have AIDS with a defibrillator right next to him to ready shock him. Meantime, the guy was way up in his 80s and he was a perv. Every woman that would walk past Strom Thurmond, he would grab their tuchus. He was worse than Bush 41. He'd grab it and he wouldn't let go. And then the aides had to karate chop his hand. Let her go. Let her go. This is before me, too. No, no, no. Boy, this is a dilemma. This, how do we get him through to finish his term in office? Because we can't afford to have Giggles Harris. We can't afford. And then 
Speaking of somebody who is aging, speaking of somebody who has to go and may well go as speaker, but now not as a House member, is Nancy Pelosi. Because the red wave is coming, obviously, she knows she's not going to be the Speaker of the House any longer. But she was giving orders to the Democrats out there through her speech about how you can't talk about inflation. Basically, if you talk about inflation, we're dead on arrival. And the fact is, is that uh, when I hear people talk about inflation, as I heard him there, we have to change that subject. Inflation is a global phenomenon. The EU, the European Union, the UK, the British have higher inflation rate than we do here. It's not the fight is not about inflation. It's about the cost of living. Problem is, if the Democrats pull a rabbit out of their hat and a miracle of all miracles, uh, hold on to the house. They're going to want uh, Hakeem Jeffries of Brooklyn as the speaker. And this guy is the evil seed of uh, Dr. Leonard Jeffries, who was the most anti-Semitic, way more anti-Semitic than Kanye West has ever been. He created the whole notion of sun people and ice people. Uh, he was tenured at uh, C, uh, the City University of New York. That's right. That's the uncle of Hakeem Jeffries. So that's no. But we got to have out with the old and with the new. Got to get rid of Biden. Trump was down there in the border states, Texas and Arizona, over the weekend talking about the invasion of illegal aliens across the border. That was good. But, you know, he's going to get back on script and talk about how the election of 2020 was stolen. There's no way. You know, he hit it down the fairway, Lou, this weekend. He stayed on message. But he's going to hook and he's going to slice and he's going to get back to talking about how uh, Dominion, Smartmatic, the election was out with the old, in with the new. Let's look at the U.K. over at the pond. Boris Johnson, right? The media wanted Boris Johnson back as a conservative party leader. He would have segued right in to uh, being prime minister again. And yet they don't seem to understand that the conservatives themselves said, we don't want Spuds McKenzie back. We don't want the party boy. We don't want the Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan to come back and be the prime minister of the U.K., so they basically gave him a vote of no confidence and said, guess what? Out with the old, in with the new. And then did you happen to notice all of a sudden who's in love with the parliamentary system in England? AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, leader of the uh, Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors. She says, oh, I love the parliamentary procedures. Showing you that she went to she went to Boston University, right? Isn't that the same college they graduated our own Bill O'Reilly? Apparently, she didn't show up for social studies or world history. She would have realized, hey, that's why we had a revolution. The Senate here is an elected body. You want to be the next senator of New York. Oh, yeah. Everybody knows AOC wants to challenge the junior senator, Gillibrand, who's been missing in action in a Democrat in uh, 2015. Everybody knows that. And she might win a primary. She'll lose the general, but she might win a primary. The Senate there in England is called the House of Lords. You know what they call them, Lou? The House of Peers, the Right Honorable, the Lord Spiritual and Temporal of the UK. And they making, they help make and shape the laws. And of the House of Lords are 26 bishops of the Church of England, including the Archbishop of Canterbury. You think... Uh, You know what she must have been thinking about, Lou? The House of Lords, that rock band that came out of Connecticut a while back. They had a bit of a following. 
This woman knows nothing about nothing. She would prefer the parliamentary system of the U.K. over what we have in the United States. By the way, the prime minister is more like the Speaker of the House, if you want to make an equivalent, more like the Nancy Pelosi of the United States. Out with the old, in with the new in the U.K. Did you see President Xi, the totalitarian dictator, uh, Lou, at that huge banquet, the final day of the gathering of the Communist Party, which is just a smidgen of the population uh, that is the largest in the world. Remember, the guy who had preceded him as the president of Red China, they're all sitting there, you know, ready to anoint him dictator for life. And all of a sudden, Xi's goons come right out there, and they pick the guy up, and they haul him out. He hasn't been seen since. What gulag is he in? Maybe uh, that's preferable. Out with the old, in with the new. Time for President Xi to go. And then another story about Vladimir Putin, the totalitarian dictator of the old Soviet Union, better known as Mother Russia, who fancies himself as a modern-day czar. All of a sudden reports, oh, Putin, look, he had the IV in his hand. You could see based on all of the, the black and blue marks on his hand. How many times... Have prognosticated, said, oh, he's he's dying of brain cancer. He's dying of blood cancer. He has Parkinson's disease. Look, look, he's shaking so much like Muhammad Ali used to shake before he died. Like Janet Reno, the former attorney general for Clinton, used to shake. Like Yasser Arafat. Remember Yasser Arafat before he died? His bottom lip would shake uncontrollably. Probably from all the lies he was telling about jihad. No, 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 uh, McWhitey-Whitey reported. You have no idea. It's spiritual jihad. has nothing to do with intifada. Liar, liar, liar. The point being is, the guy's taking a licking and he's coming back taking Vladimir Putin. Out with the old, in with the new. And up next, we have to talk about how we have to go out with the old and in with the new with this Republican wave that is sweeping the nation. And now the focus is going to be on Tuesday night. Originally, Tuesday night was going to be the focus of the only debate between Dr. Oz and Fetterman. And let's face it, I don't see how Fetterman handles that debate. I don't know what magical drug they give him. I don't care if he has a laptop in front of him with the uh, questions or the statements that are immediately uh, printed out for him to be able to process I got to believe that he uh, crashes and burns. But here we may not be watching the Oz-Fetterman debate because simultaneously, Congressman Lee Zeldin, who has been surging in the polls, unexpectedly agreed to have a one-hour debate sponsored by New York One. The host is Errol Lewis. We know what uh, Sid Rosenberg thinks about Errol Lewis. Against the governor, Hochul. Lou, this is like walking into a cage of hungry Doberman pinchers with pork chop pants on. Why, oh, why did Congressman Zeldin and his brain trust agree to have a debate? You know, Pataki never had a debate against Cuomo. We'll get to that up next. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa, Talk Radio 77, WABC. Ah, you 
lunchtime edition here at WABC. Oh, yeah, this is a great old jam, Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. And it's so appropriate, Lou, because uh, if you look at all the newspapers and all the coverage of the growing crime problem, both in the streets, in the parks, in the schools, and mostly in the subway now, you see that mother after mother, woman after woman, who is involved in a relationship in which a member of their family has been victimized, is screaming out at Eric Adams, saying, Hey, I thought you were a cop. I thought you were going to bring law and order to the city. Remember I said when I was running against him, he was a house mouse. He knew nothing about law and order. And he... Uh, he was a Pagasi. But, hey, you voted for him. You got to live with him for three more years. The swagger man with no plan. So you have the mother, Lou, of the 32-year-old waiter who on Friday was waiting to catch the L train at Myrtle and Wyckoff to go to work in Manhattan. And you have uh, seen the video of that crazy guy dressed in yellow with a black mask who is pacing up and down on the platform. And then decided to go after his victim, the 32-year-old waiter, push him into the tracks of the L train uh, in the direction of 8th Avenue in Manhattan, last stop. And then he fled. Uh, the guy uh, took quite the bruising. And luckily, Good Samaritans uh, picked him up out of the tracks and kept him from being uh, crushed and sliced and diced by an oncoming L train. He clearly was traumatized. He's clearly injured. And his mother was screaming at the top of her lungs at Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan. What the hell are you doing? I thought you were a former cop. I thought you were going to bring law and order. My son wants to commit suicide. He's so traumatized by this. What can the mayor say? He's always been a house mouse when it comes to this. Remember when he went to the wake in Comac for the 41-year veteran of the EMS, Allison Russo? Remember when he came to give his condolences to the Russo family, and the mother who was sitting in a wheelchair gave him hell, screaming. I thought you were a cop. Look at look at our city. Our city's being destroyed. What the hell are you doing? And then there's this story that I and the Guardian Angels and my wife Nancy Animal Rescue are directly involved, involving the hero dog, Moose, the Irish terrier, who back in August stood his ground. In defense of Jessica, the woman who had raised him as a pup, when a crazed, uh, emotionally disturbed homeless person who lives in the park attacked her with a staff, a dreadlock guy attacked her with a staff over and over, and the dog interjected himself and took the beat down, and he died a horrible death a week later, internal injuries. And uh, the mayor decided not to do anything. The local councilwoman decided uh, that the best message was don't call the cops. The cops said, hey, you don't want us. We're not going to go after this guy. And then on Friday, you saw Jessica. Somebody spotted the guy. And uh, she chased after him and confronted the guy. No cops, no response. And the guy nearly got her a second time and then fled. Well, be reassured, the cops may not be in the park. The council uh, woman says, don't call 911. The Eric Adams administration is not focused on it. But we are the guardian angels, and we're there every morning from 6 to 11. If you're walking your dog near the picnic house, which is the dog walkers area, women feel secure. We're there, and we're going to have to catch this guy on our own because nobody else in the city structure wants to do anything about it. 
So the mayor is catching heat from women, and obviously you don't want to be in a position uh, where you're getting all hyped up about women. So he's just having another, another bad time. But as a result, I want to introduce to you a uh, new song created by our own Chris Libertini. It's a song parody. We've uh, done a number in honor of Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. Lou, the hype on this before the Grammys next year, 2023 in Los Angeles, is incredible. There hasn't been this much hype since Taylor Swift uh, announced, you know, that she was going to drop Midnight's, you know, and everybody, all the teenage girls were going, cuckoo, 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 oh, Taylor Swift. No, no, no. This has bigger ramifications. I understand that Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, wants to walk the red carpet of the Grammys in 2023. This song, The Underbed by Biddy, uh, Billie Eilish, is, is already hot to trot for a Grammy, and the mayor wants to walk the red carpet with one of those customized jackets that says, Bad Boy, with Sean Puff Daddy Combs. That's right, it's homie who is the CEO of Bad Boy Records. Here you go, the world premiere of Bad Boy. They're saying that Eric goes out to restaurant. I pay every bill, not the city. I pay every bill. If you want to get through these next three years and three months, don't try to script me. Nightlife, nonstop, my city never sleeping. The rats all in the garbage heap creeping around like a black sheep subways of danger zone. So you're a party guy, like a zero bomb guy. Just test the product guy, just always puffed guy. He's the bad type, make your city sad type. Make your cash bail right, might seduce your voting type. Mayor Adams is a bad guy. Breaking news. Duh. Yeah. This is so good. Love it. On its way to win a Grammy. 2023 in L.A. Bad guy. By the way, uh, it is the Sean Puff Daddy Combs label that is carrying it. Bad boy label. This is, oh, Lou, you already want to copy. No, 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 no. This is under wraps. World premiere here, exclusive on the Curtis Lewis show. Oh, it is so good. Now, if uh, Congressman Zeldin continues to soar in the polls and actually beats uh, crime wave Kathy Holcomb on Election Day, November 8th, he'll have all to thank Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan, because he hasn't been able to get a grip on this crime problem, because crime is actually worse in New York City than in any month of the eight years of torture that we lived through with comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. Worse than any month in eight years. By the way, did you happen to see Lou uh, de Blasio... He's like a vampire. He won't go away. He was walking around Park Slope. Uh, he dyed his hair. He's the Clairol queen now. Dyed his hair brown. Oh, my God. Now he's going to become a professor at NYU January 1st to destroy a whole new generation of students there who pay too much money, their parents, to begin with, to go to NYU. And, by the way, he's no longer adjunct professor at Harvard because the students don't want him here. They say, why? He's a waste of our time. But, anyway, I digress. If, in fact, Congressman Zeldin continues to soar in the polls because crime has become the number one issue neck and neck with the uh, continued inflation, 
He will have only Eric Adams to thank because, man, this this past weekend he had a conference. There was a bomb crime summit at Gracie Mansion. They wouldn't even talk about no the no-cash bail situation. And you know who hosted it? Norman Siegel, the former head of the New York Civil Liberties Union. Yeah, he's got the cops back. <laughs> it's all fugazi. They're flooding the... Uh, Train system, subway system with 1,200 cops, NYPD, MTA, doing triple overtime for two weeks. We know what that's all about, and it's going to stop right after November 8th. But let me break it down to you because many people have said that this election is very similar to when George Pataki came out of nowhere, one of six Republican candidates initially, to end up beating Mario Facciabrota Como, who is going for a fourth term. And preparing himself at any moment to run for the presidency of the United States. He was always vacillating as the Hamlet on the Hudson. That's why you may have remembered Stan Lundin left Congress to be the lieutenant governor for Cuomo because the perception was that at any moment the Hamlet on the Hudson might decide I'm running for the Democratic nomination. And then Stan Lundin would have become the governor. Ultimately, Pataki beat Mario Cuomo 48-45. And when you look at the counties, as I studied them, the only county that Mario Cuomo of the 62 counties won upstate was Albany. And the only other county he won out of the five boroughs and barely won it was Richmond County, Staten Island. So the fact is he had an unprecedented turnout upstate that helped him overcome the decisive advantage that Mario Cuomo had in the five boroughs. Uh, Mario beat him uh, handily in the Bronx, Manhattan, uh, Brooklyn, and Queens. So let's look at this whole concept of debate. You know, students of history, do you not realize that George Pataki, who had survived a grueling process in order to become the Republican nominee, let me remind you, a frequent guest who hates my guts on the uh, 5 o'clock roundtable discussion hosted by John Katsimatidis, Senator Alphonse Alleyboy D'Amato had flirted with running against Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo in 1994. But because the red wave was coming and he was still in the uh, Senate, he would have become the banking chairman. Uh, so he opted out. Although the Republicans and conservatives were prepared to throw all their support in what it would have been a great showdown between the two Italian stallions, um, Alphonse Alleyboy D'Amato and Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo. So with his exit, Uh, William Powers, who was the chairman, foreman Marine, very helpful to Rudy Giuliani's election against David Dinkins because he whipped everyone in line, joined with uh, Alphonse Alleyboy D'Amato, and they eliminated, like the five other competitors, against George Pataki in the Republican primary. And so George Pataki emerged as the Republican candidate that nobody really knew. The former mayor of Peekskill, state assembly person, state senator, And he had to look over his back because Tom Galassano, who was spending millions of dollars always to try to beat him, had won the independence line again to run uh, in this gubernatorial process. And whereas, um, whereas Lee Zeldin has decided at the last minute to take this one debate against uh, Kathy Crimewave Holcomb at New York One with Errol Lewis, no friend to Republicans or conservatives as the host and moderator. 
Man, if you were to put him and Sid Rosenberg in a brandy glass, it would be like two scorpions. But anyway, the point being, the deck is stacked against Congressman Zeldin. Everybody's saying this is just like the election in 1994. It's not. People don't realize George Pataki never debated Mario Cuomo. And let me explain to you. Because in 1994, Mario Cuomo said, if I am to debate... As a sitting governor, I want all the third parties to be present. The same strategy that Andrew Evilized Cuomo used. You know, we got to have all the third parties in. There was the Right to Life Party. There was Galasano with the Independence Party spending millions of dollars. This was the Libertarian Party. Uh, there were so, like six parties. So they went into the New York One debate, uh, Mario against all of them. Meantime, George Pataki sat for a one-hour interview with Marcia Kramer, and there was an empty chair next to her that was the seat for Mario Faccia Bruta Cuomo. But George Pataki never debated, never debated Mario Cuomo. Look, Cuomo was a good debater. He was a seasoned debater. Remember in the Democratic primaries to become mayor, how many candidates, good candidates were in it. He had a debate. He had a debate Ed Koch. Running for mayor in the runoff election. He had a debate Ed Koch running for the gubernatorial nod. He was a seasoned debater. The Pataki people were wise to keep him out of that lion's cage. And he went on to win 48-45. And remember, there were all these other independent parties that siphoned votes off, including Tom Galasano, who was spending millions of dollars as the Independence Party candidate not to take votes for Mario Cuomo to take votes away from George Pataki. So why, oh, why? I haven't gotten the answer yet from any of the Zeldin people because I'm supporting Zeldin Esposito. I'm supporting the whole slate. Why, as you're cresting up, the polls are indicating that the battleground is going to be New York. Why do you walk into that cage and give Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb an hour to once again level the playing field? And potentially win a decisive victory in New York City, which would guarantee her re-election. To me, it's like somebody walking into a cage of hungry Doberman pinchers with pork chop pants on. Remember, don't ever say it's like the election in 94. It is not. George Pataki never debated Mario Cuomo. That was the smartest decision they ever made. It's just like 94. It's not. And let me tell you something. Whereas Mario Cuomo won Albany County, he lost Erie County. Now, everybody talks, oh, Nassau, Suffolk. Okay, I got it. And the five boroughs, definitely, Lee Zeldin must get more than 30% of the turnout of vote. But Erie County is not a guaranteed lock. Erie County has a large vote. That's where Buffalo is. That is the home backyard of Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. And she's built up a lot of cred there over the years. I got to believe it's going to be neck and neck in Erie County. I can be completely wrong. But Lee Zeldin might not win Erie County. Think about that. So all you prognosticators, you know nothing about nothing when you say it's just like 1994. It's not. I was there. I was supporting George Pataki, who nobody knew. I gave the first speech First speech for him at the Yale Club when nobody knew who he was. On the day, Lou, that I was fired from the morning show, Angels in the Morning, and I fulfilled my promise to Team Pataki. You know, there were eight people in that room for Pataki. Four of his family members, 
two Yaleys that he'd gone to Yale with and two other Yale guys who said, hey, I'm here to hear Curtis Sleeve. That was it. So don't tell me it's the same because all of you prognosticators, you know nothing about nothing. That's why you listen to Curtis Sleeve at lunch, Monday through Fridays, 12, 12, 15 to 1, because I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. Lou, what did my mother Francesca, dearly departed, always say to me? Curtis, if you have nothing nice to say about the dead, don't say anything. Have I ever abided by that, Lou? Absolutely not. I know my mother is looking down at me and said, don't do it, Curtis. Don't do it. You're going to attack a priest? Hell yes, and we won't be the first, nor the last. So my enemy of all enemies at the age of 90 died yesterday and went straight to hell without an asbestos suit. Who is he? Louis Giganti. The youngest of five siblings of the Giganti family, his oldest brother, Vinny the Chin Giganti. And remember all those years, Vinny the Chin, the head of the Genovese crime family, would walk around West Village near Sullivan Street, mumbling, stumbling, doing a Joe Biden impression with a ratty bathrobe, slippers, an Irish walking cap. He talked to the telephone poles. He talked to the pigeons. And then all of a sudden, when he would come to report to Vinnie the Chin, you would go into the Triangle Social Club. You had to get past Benny Eggs Mangano. Yeah, Lou, you know what Benny Eggs told me one time, hey, kid? You know, you're lucky we're not going after you. The Gambinos are. Because you'd be dead. But we hate the Gambinos and we hate Gotti. So hey, you're safe with us, but... Well, we, we, we don't kill people. You got us all wrong here. We break their leg. We break their arm. This way, they walk around the neighborhood with a cast for four or five months, and everyone knows, uh-oh, you crossed the chin. And they wouldn't even say the word chin. They would just hold their chin. He said, you see, for four or five months, everybody knew, hey, if you uh, went against Vinny the chin, blah, 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 gigante. We were going to bend your leg, stuff it in your pocket, break your leg, and you'd end up with a walking cast on. And everybody knew this is what your fate would be. We kill people. We're the civilized members of the five families of organized crime, the Bananos, the Columbos, the Lucases, the Gambinos, the Genovese. We're, we're the businessmen. Yeah, BCNs, as my grandfather, Fidel Bianchino, would say. But if you wanted to meet with a chin... Lou, you had to go into the house, the bathroom at the Triangle Social Club. And he would turn all the faucets on. And then you would whisper in his ear. And he would whisper in your ear. So no bugs, because that place was wired up like a Christmas tree by the FBI. The acronym then before 9-11 was Forever Busting Italians. And then afterwards, it became Forever Busting Islamists. And for years, everybody knew it was a ruse. Vinny, the chin giganti, was winning an Academy Award year after year. And then, Lou, one moment. They had him trapped outside of the brownstone on the Upper East, uh, upper east Side with his, with his uh, Greek kumada. 
and his son upstairs, his oldest son, they were counting all the loot. And Vinny the Chin was up there, and all the media was there, John Miller and everyone. And who stood outside and said, you will not cross this threshold. But his brother, the priest Louis Giganti, always gave him cover. Uh, Reverend Lewis, they called him in the South Bronx, ran for city council, won two terms, until the Vatican ordered all priests and nuns never to run for political office again. Except Aristide in Haiti, the Salesian priest, didn't listen, and he got defrocked, right? Good, Vatican, good. And then he ran for Congress, yeah, in the Democratic primary against my friend, Herman Badillo. And I went out there and campaigned for Herman against this disgraziata, Louis Giganti. In fact, I wanted to take a mask card, Lou, and I wanted to burn it in my hand and say, there you will burn in the fires of hell. I always said this guy, Louis, was a pedophile on a pedestal. Ah, oh, Curtis, you just me. You just don't like him. I'm telling you, this guy perved on young boys. Now we find out upon his death, Lou, that in fact there were three outstanding cases in the 70s and the 80s that the archdiocese was ready to settle because he had perved eight-year-old boys. Where, Lou? In the confessional of the church that he was pastor of in the South Bronx. Three. Three. You're going to burn in hell. Louis Giganti, so many sins, but the sin of being a pedophile. Hey, hey, Roman Catholic Church, you got pedophiles everywhere, right? Yeah, you think you could give a, yourself a, a badly needed colonic? Sort of reminds me. Also in the Bronx, remember there was Bob, Africa Bambata. You remember Lou, Africa Bambata, head of Zulu Nation? For years, the guy was a perv, would perv on eight-year-old, seven-year-old boys. And I would say to the Zulu nation, your leader is a pedophile on a pedestal. They say, you don't know what you're talking about. You just hate him. Oh, I did. Bronx River Projects, no doubt about it. But it turned out what happened. He was exposed as a pedophile on a pedestal. Hey, guys, you're a pedophile out there. You are udisgraziata. You're a shanda. And you need to be exposed for having exposed yourself to little boys.